and welcome to the Future Proof podcast from the north of England with Sarah and Stephen Waddington. We'll be talking about what's hot and what's not on the internet in marketing, media and public relations. Hi Stephen. Hello Sarah, how are you doing? We're good. So we're trialling a new podcast system today because traditionally I've done my podcast face-to-face with my little um, Zoom Pro machine and obviously now with coronavirus we can't do that. So we're actually doing it virtually. So fingers crossed this works. We're in the same household but <laughs> separate rooms. So yeah. It's going to work. It's absolutely fine and we've got the brilliant Sam Walker helping us. So we've got some really good things to talk about today and we wanted to follow up quite quickly because the response to our last podcast was really interesting and and we got such a lot of downloads. So we're going to follow up and talk about the Future Proof COVID-19 survey that we launched on the back of that podcast. We're going to talk about what support is available for businesses. I've got on my agenda here that we're going to chat through some of the issues that you've covered on your blog, which you published at the weekend and in this shift to virtual, yeah. Yeah. And then I think what I'd like to do is finish on a very uplifting note and just pick out a couple of pieces of writing that we've seen that we are highly appreciative of and, and, and would like to signpost other people to. Okay, let's start then with the work we did uh, after the last podcast. So we did a podcast about a week or so ago, just as the country was going into lockdown, where we explored the likely implications for, for the public relations and marketing industry. And what we wanted to find out was what practitioners were feeling and thinking. And just get a handle on what was happening immediately with, with business. Yeah, so so we did this, uh, as it turns out, initially, initially we had about 110 responses. Actually, the surveys uh, continues to gather uh, responses, but we did a cut at 120. And then we did a later cut towards the end of last week where we were up to, I can't remember, 180 or so. But yeah, closer to 200. And just to just to remind people what was in that survey for those who haven't seen it, we looked at where people were based, how they described their business, the number of staff, sectors, and wanted to understand in what way their business had been impacted, you know, what they were experiencing there and then, um, how they'd found um, government advice, whether it was useful or not. And um, just to kind of get a handle on what contingency measures were being put in place. So the, the, the headlines were that the industry was, was slowly getting to grips with the rapid change in the uncertainty. Three key points, people concerned about the, the loss of income. It was uh, 30, 36% of people concerned about access to customers, both domestically and internationally. That's 53%. And then uh, long-term, people concerned about their ability to trade through uh, the crisis and and you know, how long it might last and, and what state they'll be in coming out the other side. The CIPR and the PRCA have banded together, haven't they, to, and we've yeah. actually provided our data to them. So the whole purpose of the survey was to get a snapshot of how um, the industry was impacted and how um, people were moving to mitigate the impact of coronavirus and also to understand what interventions were needed. So immediately we approached CIPR and PRC and said we wanted to share the information, the data with them. And similarly, we did the same with central government and um, have since done that with the Treasury because the Treasury has been looking for evidence of how sectors are being um, 
affected. So that information is continuing being shared. We are leaving the survey open because obviously businesses' needs will change as time goes on. Obviously, everybody's working very much day to day, week to week at the moment, and it's hard to get a handle on what the longer term impacts will be. But certainly at the moment, it's about protecting staff, staying open, loss of income, and understanding the latest government message, uh, message even I get my teeth back in. Get your teeth back in, Sarah. Um, you you have got a good handle through your work for the North East Lep on what help is out there for business. Do you want sure. To- so this past week, the team and I have been busy supporting the fantastic comms team and wider team there um, on the COVID-19 comms response. And they've got a great dedicated COVID-19 called uh, toolkit as other membership organisations uh, do and um, it just runs through the various interventions and, uh, and packages that are available from the coronavirus business interruption loan scheme that's good for kind of SMEs and certainly businesses like mine which are smaller limited companies which are kind of fallen through the gap at the moment um, in terms of government support but that's there if you're a larger company there is a COVID-19 corporate financing facility and through this if I understand rightly the Bank of England will buy short-term debt from larger companies and the intention is that it will also, I think, ease the supply of credit to all firms. I should say, I'm going to run through a few measures here. Obviously, I'm not a corporate finance expert uh, um, so please make sure you do look at the gov site it's all very clearly listed written in Joe Public Speak and just check criteria very carefully but other measures include there's a coronavirus job retention scheme and I really do urge people to look at this because it's so important that we safeguard as many jobs as we can at the possible and with this one they're offering a reimbursement of up to 80% of furloughed workers wage costs up to a cap of 2500 per month which is not to be sneezed at and um, basically furloughed workers is, is basically putting putting them on ice um, while you can't trade but making sure that they, you know, there was income coming in so you can pay them. Um, There is support for businesses through deferring VAT and income tax payments, and that's applicable from the 20th of March, which is now gone, to 30th of June 2020. You don't have to defer if you don't want to, but that option is there. And there's also statutory sick pay relief for SMEs, and that's for businesses who employ fewer than 250 employees. Just to quickly rattle through other options, there's support for businesses that play business rates. So you can get a holiday if you work in retail, hospitality and leisure. Maybe not so helpful for us. But there are also support for businesses which pay little or no business rates. And you can get that as a one-off grant of £10,000 if you're eligible to help meet ongoing business costs. Please don't also forget, um, if you're in financial distress and you've got outstanding tax liabilities, check out the HMRC's Time to Pay service. And I think there's also something called a hardship loan, which can help with council tax. But again, please do check this off. Um, Different measures coming out all the time. Um, We've just recently seen one to help the self-employed, so there's more support there. Um, There's an income uh, scheme there. Like I said, the one group which is perhaps um, being left out of all of this is smaller limited companies. And I know you mentioned before CIPR and PRCA have been working together, which is incredibly welcomed, you know, coming together with one voice, one approach at this time of need. And I know that they're busy lobbying central government as they have to date on on all the other other packages and um, like I say I would like to say a big thank you to them and just just before I head back to you I have to say I've seen in a few chat groups that people have been saying well what 
what the CIPR and PRCA are doing, I've noticed that they tend to be non-members for one and be people who haven't bothered to look. They're doing huge amounts. They've got small teams. They're already working beyond their resources and capacity and very successfully. So I would like them to say thank you for that and, and would say now is the time if you're not a member of these organisations to think about finding that money to join because the packages and the, and the value you'll get from it are well worth the offer. Just the CIPR's legal helpline alone is, is worth it. And um, one thing you uh, we should add to that is uh, iProvision, the benevolent charity that the CIPR uh, runs. That's a really important point. Which is there to support um, practitioners as well. It's basically, um, if you were ever a CIPR member, even if you're not or you're one now and you're struggling, you can apply to iProvision. So please do look that out if you need to. Okay, fantastic, Sarah. Thank you for, for running through those interventions. And, you know, we expect more to come because there's lobbying on behalf of small businesses, there's lobbying on, on going beyond behalf of freelancers who've been trading for less than a year. Let's pick up on some of the issues in the blog you've written, a really well-received blog. It's a lovely long read. You shared it over the weekend and, and, it, and it takes some of the very current issues that's impacting all of us as human beings as well as within businesses. So let, talk us through that. So I've been, you know, we're 10 days into to lockdown, been thinking about, been trying to find the space to think and, uh, and about uh, not only the current situation, but what might come next. And, and so took to paper and wrote a, an essay this weekend about it. Um, you know, and just looking at the, the impact of the crisis on different aspects of society and work and, and, and our media. And let's start there. You know, if it's possible to have a good crisis or not, I don't know, but you know the BBC and the NHS is certainly uh, enjoying a strong reputation at the moment. The BBC has restated its commitment to public service broadcasting and, and education, and, uh, and the NHS is right at the heart of the, the government's response. You know, I think both those organisations have been, you know, political footballs to a various extent over the last five or six years. Uh, over the course, certainly over the course of the last two elections in the UK, and I think you know very firmly they're off the ta- any any sort of negotiate discussion about their value uh, and their funding is off the table now for at least a generation i would really hope so i mean the, the, the both have have obviously had reduced funding year after year after year now the argument about whether that was right for the nhs can be part for another day um but clearly both have been shown to be absolutely in- instrumental in society. And obviously the BBC, really great, back into communities, one of the very few trusted sources of media now and um, doing what it can um, alongside the NHS to get to get strong, like I say, credible messaging out. We've seen a massive onboarding of, of technology. I mean, you, you run a virtual agency, so you know there's no change for you, Sarah, but as organisations, knowledge work, workers have, have moved uh, to work from home they've shifted to, to using virtual forms of technology. Well, there kind of has been a change, you know, because obviously we're continuing to work as we always have. So the practices we have in place, we're just continuing with. What's been difficult is that every single client has moved to video conferencing and it's like a call hour after hour after hour after hour and it's that's exhausting and it's really impacting productivity. We've now gone back and asked if we can try and manage that a little bit going forward because... Things just aren't happening in the pace and the speed. But also, I've noticed that for someone who works alone for most of every single day, bar the odd call or meeting, I found that particularly challenging. Yeah, so, so there is a need. That we're socially isolated, but 
there's a paradox where we're hyperconnected. And I think, you know, in the shift from physical locations to virtual lo locations, you know, the, there's an implicit need for human connection and Everyone is and I think there's everyone. also the novelty factor and people have realised how there are other ways of working and now there's a necessity to do it and hopefully these will be things that we will start to embed in normal working practices going forward even when we're back in formal like business yeah. premises but hopefully we can find a more tempered way going forward because the other thing is while people are online they're still checking their messages the notifications are going crazy and they've got access to news and that constant feed is is, can be quite detrimental to mental health and one of the things the survey picked up was that actually that mental health well-being resilience piece was one of the things that uh, business owners and, and um, you know bosses were most worried about for their employees and they were very keen to get as many interventions on that as possible and, and to get support where, where that was available. I want to pick up on a, a final point uh, and that was how people are reprioritizing and reorganizing their lives so mm. um, we're, we're sort mm. of rediscovering literature and, and craft and yeah, and training but that is also coming at a cost and the i think the you know the long-term cost of the crisis is going to be measured not only in 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 the number of deaths unfortunately people dying uh, from covid19 mm. and the resiliency of health services but also mental health because we've got this thing where at the time when we need human connection most together through this crisis it's been denied. So two things, families are separated, we're separated from friends, but then we're hothoused, Sarah, uh, in, <laughs> in, in, you we know. We survived so far. In a, we survived so far, but, you know, every everything says that, you know, the uglier side of society is going to spike. Behind closed doors. Yeah, so, I mean, it is difficult, isn't it? We've got our family, our our kids, they're not all with us right now and that's a massive cause of anxiety and yet we've here and it's that living together and doing everything together every minute of the day is, is quite tough but then equally we have to recognise our privilege we're in a four bedroom house one of the rooms has been moved into a working office because I work here and we've got a garden you just think well, that's very very different to people who are might flat share and don't have a desk and yet are having to work from home so it's just really difficult and I think like you said that human thing um, is really tough because you can't you can't comfort people in the way that you would. So yes, we're all together. Um, so that's fine in, in this house. But um, take my ex who lost his auntie last week who, who went to tell his mum and they couldn't hug because they had to keep their distance because they haven't been near each other. So, you know, imparting bad news and not being able to comfort someone really difficult. And, you know, you say in your article yourself, which will signpost people to, is this whole thing and it, and it impacts absolutely everything. So funerals, people not being able to pull bear, people being limited to the number of people at funerals and actually some having to do that via virtually, you know, via digital connection. And I just think that is really tough, not being able to comfort those you love and care for when you most need it and most want to. That will have a long-term impact that will play out uh, in future. I'm interested as well to see the Public Health England are fantastic with their messaging really clear really concise very um consistent and obviously one of the things they're saying about think about mental health do exercise use this time to get fit try not to use props such as alcohol and drugs um to get through and it's you can see how very easy that would be a, a, a pit to fall into 
you know, like gets to, you know, five o'clock and everybody's been working hard and trying to sort the homeschooling and worry about whether you're getting food and are the kids who are in Leeds and Newcastle all right? You know, it's, it's hard not to say, right, I'm off to the fridge to get a nice cool glass of soap. <laughs> well, you know, but we're, like I say, we're very, we're still very lucky in many ways. We're going to end up on a positive. Yeah, note. we are. No, seriously, because as you said yourself, in your article, so many people going back to their crafts and writing reflective pieces, which is lovely, right? Yeah. And there's two that I saw outside of yours that I really loved. And one was by our good friend, Maya Powinski-Sims, who writes for the Homes Report, as it was, it's now Provoke. And she just wrote this beautiful article called Being Human in the Time of Coronavirus and looking at the psychological toll on a comms industry, which is made up of very social, connected people who do like to go out and lunch, do like to go to events and, you know, thrive on mixing and meeting new people. And it's, it was just a beautiful piece. And we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but please... Please do look that up because it's it's a quite a long read, but it's it's well worth it's this whole she talks about this whole complex situation we find ourselves in whereby we're, we're dealing with change with a situation we've never been in before. We've got the state intervening in a way that we've never seen before. We've got elderly parents we can't look after and maybe can't control if they're still going out. You know, you're trying to work and and, and manage childcare. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's beautiful writing as you'd always get from Maya, but um, it's just very of its moment, as is the piece I'd like people to read from Paul Sutton, who wrote about how altruism and empathy are the new and most important currency. And uh, in this, he just talks about um, something that's very close to my heart and is based on our business values and, and what, you know, the model that astute.work has about this whole thing about, um, you know, the brands that we will now remember are the ones who treated us well, but also who treated us badly. So, you know, the ones who um, not like Weatherspoons, who've wanted to put the risk in the general public, sorry, the, their staff and the general public at risk by keeping open despite government guidelines, but thinking about the people who've done really good, like the supermarkets who've looked after the, the, the older people and the infirm by opening at different hours or early for them. And it's just, again, it's just a great piece. It's very of its moment and it's very nicely written and thought through. So please do read that. And final shout out to my old colleague, David Gallagher, who started writing a re really thoughtful weekly newsletter. And he gathers content, curates content. He's well-traveled uh, from around the world. Uh, and his newsletter this week looks at what might come next with content from myself uh, and writers in Italy and, and the US. It's, uh, it's well worth looking up and reading. That's it. Well, um, we'll we, we we do more say, of these during the crisis, during lockdown. We'll do some more of these, of course. We'll Maybe we'll even sit together. I'll let you come back and sit in the office. <laughs> let's everyone <laughs> well, let's check this out. But a couple of things. Just everybody, please remember, lots of disinformation out there. Please make sure that if you you're reading stuff you're sharing information make sure it comes from a trusted source government nhs public health england check 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 and secondly please do keep washing your hands stay safe and hopefully we will see you in person all again soon all right thanks sarah take care thank you for listening to the future proof podcast with sarah and stephen waddington you can follow sarah on twitter at mrs underscore wads and Stephen at WADS. For more information about Future Proof, visit futureproofingcoms.co.uk. Until next time, see you on the internet.